Welcome to Titanic Reaction. I'm Tony Mangus. Be aware, these are real stories. Well, most of them are. They will contain tales of alcohol, drugs, sex, extreme violence, and language Mary Whitehouse would not approve of. Take caution when listening. I'm Tony Mangus. This is Titanic Reaction, and I'm here with Dials. Introduce yourselves and what you do in the band. All right, take three. This is Shauna. I play bass. Uh, my, my name's Mary. I play drums. Laura, I sing. I'm Alex. I play guitar. I'm Rose. I play rhythm guitar and do backing vocals. And this might start off kind of slow, but they had a dance party last night. Yeah. <laughs> they they might have just stopped the dance party to do this. They might just be taking a break. <laughs> the first song we're going to play is Chance Man. You want to talk about it? Yeah, this was a song that came together pretty easily. Um, just one of those beautiful moments where everything coalesced pretty much the first time that we played it together. And lyrically, it's about uh, sort of the curiosity of what would happen if white cis men uh, sort of took a chance on being different than they are. And, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> sat down, let other people talk. It's a big ask. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're here for it. <laughs> it's always good to imagine utopian alternate futures. You know? What are the odds that'll happen? I'm feeling more optimistic than I have at other points in my life, I think, actually. I think that there's been some kind of like interesting dialogue shifts around the sort of like joyful possibilities of having different forms of friendships and connections. Yeah, and that makes me feel good. We'll see. It's hard to say. Oh, good. You're more hopeful than I was. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm very nihilistic when it comes to that. <laughs> <laughs> the power might be in your hands. <laughs> we'll save the world. Um, musically, I guess we have kind of a couple of different styles for writing songs uh, that either, you know, we spend a lot of time kind of like moving parts around and trying things at different speeds and different keys, different combinations of things, different orders of things, or they're ones that kind of just appear like a thing that emerging from the brow of Zeus. And this was more in that <laughs> latter category. Although we later realized that it sounds a lot like a Wipers song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I feel like I realized right away. Yeah. Yeah. I started, <laughs> yeah. What's the other band? I started to like? grunge band? No, that wasn't um, me. That was Laura. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. She just does that band practice. Sometimes <laughs> it's a grungy song. Sometimes I'll start a riff and it's always... Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. It's like that band Jersey. Yeah. I got pretty salty. I mean, it's... the recording? I thought you called us like a little back or something. Oh, my God. No. I was like, you are hella salty in this recording. Okay. I mean, here's the thing: when you write something, it's not like I intentionally like sought to like do a riff verbatim. You know, I think sometimes those things sound not like they naturally happen. You know, or they're just like really simple chord progressions that could be in many songs. You know, yeah, yeah. It's easy to just kind of like pull things out of like your like the cauldron of inspiration of just you know everything that you've. Yeah. been really excited about in the past and wanted to yeah. pay, pay homage to either intentionally or just by kind yeah. of like it's a formula that works or not a formula even just like it's a it's components that work yeah 
I mean, I'd rather be wipers than Nickelback, but <laughs> <laughs> one of them richer than the other one. Yeah. <laughs> we will make more money if I stay on the Nickelback. <laughs> you didn't know this, Tony, but I'm a big fan. <laughs> Thank you. everyone from i'm from colorado um and i've been living here for about 12 years now uh but i'm from i'm from boulder which is kind of like the eugene of colorado uh yeah 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 you're you're from denver or lived in denver for a while no i just i have a lot of friends there right okay yeah um yeah i just got back from spending a couple days there for the first time since covid and so i'm feeling very kind of uh rose tinted about the whole place <laughs> um, or maybe it's just kind of like altitude fatigue making me think like i'm about to die from oxygen <laughs> angels angelic choirs and you might have that. she missed the heat wave <laughs> i did i was there when it was cold and rainy in boulder which is oh, fuck. Funnier, and then here it was 115 so i i really lucked out <laughs> abandoning my cat and my boyfriend to fend for themselves with only a window unit ac <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, he had the yeah. had the AC cranked yeah. and all of the windows shut. This is Alex. I grew up actually on a rescue zoo and then spent my like formative <laughs> twelve to eighteen in Austin, Texas. The zoo is just right outside of town. And then I moved to Portland and 
this is Laura. I grew up outside Boston um, and then moved to San Francisco when I was 18 uh, and spent like my pre-adult years there. I lived there for a decade, then moved up here in 2015. Um, I grew up in eastern Washington. Uh, it's called uh, Tri-Cities. Um, the town I grew up is Kennewick, Washington, and I moved to Portland in 2001. And Shoshana, I was born in Chicago, and I spent a lot of my youth in Kansas City, and then in Chicago for like a decade, and then I've been in Portland seven years now. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Yeah. It's an easy place to not realize you're spending a lot of time in. Yeah. <laughs> it's an easy place to get lost in. Yeah. 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 Adult playground. <laughs> yeah. What day is it? <laughs> when did we see the sun? Yeah. <laughs> Do any of you miss your hometowns? I miss the Italian food for sure. I miss breakfast tacos and my friends. <laughs> I, I mean, I miss Chicago. It's such a beautiful city. And I just wish there was, it wasn't as expensive, you know? It's kind of crazy. But, uh, but yeah, I love, I love Chicago. Great food, beautiful buildings. Yeah. We, have really, we have really cool food stores. I miss that. Yeah. I think being able to just walk like a couple blocks from my parents' house and be on a mountain is very nice. Or um, last time I was there, I saw a, a bear hanging out in the cemetery near my preschool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What are you doing? He was visiting his loved one. Yeah, he was just paying his respects. And then, uh, and then as he was leaving the cemetery, there was this little old man with a walker like coming towards him down the sidewalk. And so a group of people who were sort of rubbernecking the bear were like, we have to go save this little old man. But then um, the bear kind of passed by without paying attention to any of the human beings. And the man was able to walk on undisturbed. Um, so I, I miss that like experience of nature, but at the same time, that's possible because it's kind of smaller and therefore there's fewer options, uh, which I think is why I'm, I'm happy that I've, I've been living here for a time. Yeah, man, I'm a city boy. I can get jump coming out of a bar, but if I saw a bear, I'd fucking piss my pants. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, same. I mean, they're they're black bears, so they're they're pretty like plant based in their food. I mean, they'll eat like fish and insects, but they're not really gonna like hunt down a person unless they're protecting their young. Yeah, they're, they're really not very aggressive. Walk by the super easy to eat old man in the cemetery. Yeah without having any tr trouble because they like the, the old man was saying that i guess bears had broken into his friend's chicken coop and they left the chickens alone but they ate all of the like chicken pellets as though it were cereal uh, yeah. so, uh, it's it's not lions that you have to watch out for because they will eat you um i've never seen one in person though they know to go for the jugular yeah they're they're efficient giles with the band from the wild <laughs> 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 I mean, the only wild thing in Chicago is like Josh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we got to come back to the zoo part. Yeah, yeah. Were there any good bands from where you were from? Yeah, I mean, yeah, being so close to Boston, I grew up like 20 minutes outside of it. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, any band that was on, like, This Is Boston, Not L.A., you could, like, always find some sort of, like, their influence in, in bands after them. But, um, 
yeah, like the proletariat is super underrated. I love Boston hardcore, Boston crew bands, Jerry's Kids, SSD, all that type of stuff. And there's still a lot of really good Boston bands coming out these days. There's a really good band called Lifeless Stark that formed a couple years ago and Innocent and Option. Um, so there's like a lot of cool shows that get held at the Cambridge Elks Lodge, which is just like wild to go there and see shows inside <laughs> an Elks Lodge. But yeah, I feel really fortunate to live so close, like growing up to a place that had such a rich history of hardcore music. I've been to lots of shows at the Knights of Columbus Hall in Boston or outside of Boston. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. it's I mean, all of Massachusetts, it's wild because you can go to shows in like Western Mass that are just in someone's parents' basement um, or like at the Worcester Palladium. I went there so much as a kid. There's like um, sort of like a dive diner that has a space in it. And then just like the Middle East and stuff like that more in central Boston, which is, uh, yeah, cool to have so many different places to check out, especially as like a young person. Older Colorado's punk scene is like, generously 12 people uh, <laughs> maybe like 14 if yeah. you count people's younger brothers um so um people's younger brothers which is like debatable about it's whether they're Irish families really keeping it going <laughs> but, um, so I, I guess most of the like Colorado bands that I think about like I mean Jello Biafra did he's from Boulder he went to my high school um but uh I would definitely go into Denver a lot more to see music. There was this really excellent kind of like, almost like no way the Jason band called Hot White that I saw a lot as a teen. And um, my friend Robin's band, Lust Cats of the Gutters, were super good. Like two-piece women making wild noises. Um, for Boulder bands, I, ha- I feel like I have to mention the bands of Friends, like uh, A Sense of Porpoise is like a folk punk band that I briefly played washboard in when I was younger. Um, <laughs> Or uh, <laughs> a bunch of my buddies were in a band called Sinister Minister for a while that I have like a CDR of that I, I'm learning so I, much. Yeah, <laughs> my like secret <laughs> Google <laughs> band. Yeah, I do own a banjo, but I'm too old at it, so we're not going to do that. Yeah, um, I would say like the economic downturn in 2008 was kind of good for like DIY in Boulder because it became the case that. A lot of people who otherwise would have moved other places, like a ton of my friends moved to Portland, uh, like a couple years before I did. Um, and then suddenly that was sort of happening a lot less. So there are a lot more people having to kind of like stay closer to home, maybe go to this the public university that's there. Um, so there's kind of like a, a little bit more of like a scene for a while, a few more sort of DIY venues in town and like warehouse spaces. But um, I'm trying to have a hard, I'm having a hard time kind of remembering like specific bands from that time. It was like just after I moved here that all this was kind of happening. Being in Kansas City was super cool. I mean, Kansas City is just like this weird, like in the early 2000s, like it was like the West Bottoms and it was just like all these lofts and there was like questionable now as an adult, but lots of like noise bands. There was this really killer band called The Shun that I always really loved seeing. And then uh really great like all-female punk band called Crapcore, and coming to chicago like was the best thing ever like we're at the riffs obviously huge fans <laughs> growing up as a kid street brats non-believers but i also always like hung out in like different scenes like one of my favorite bands white mystery you know there's just you know killer band i mean yeah great music scene in chicago yeah. 
I well, where I grew up um, is like so bands would play Spokane, and if they went to Seattle, Portland, they would stop in Tri Cities. So when I was trying, the music scene was actually pretty good. Um, I saw like bands like Hammerbox and Red Ants. Fugazi played my hometown my senior year. Uh, I like skipped out on the softball game to go see Fugazi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was sweet. And um, they kicked somebody out. It was $5. No classic Fugazi show. Um, sweaty Nipples. I think they're from Portland. They played. Yeah, the- they're from Portland. All the time. Um, the local bands that were cool, it was mostly male dominated scene, but the, mm-hmm. the bands that were cool were this band called Small and Schedule. And Small still occasionally plays, which is funny and rad. Joe does see everyone from like shows when you're a teenager, you know? They're like old dudes now. They still are good, I think, but totally 90s. If you were listening to them, you'd be like, yeah, this is like hella. Oh my God, he's got it so good. I'll edit this out, but you're older than you look. Thank you. <laughs> All of us? <laughs> Everyone who's seen sweaty nipples. Growing up in Austin, obviously it's a super live music town and a ton of all ages venues were around when I was a kid. Everyone wasn't just playing bars at that time. Um, the bands from Austin that I like can love the most probably are like Big Boys and the Dicks and like that scene. But when I was a teenager, we like all just had teenager bands. Yeah, the older punks were super nice to us and like we would play their shows. But like we were just a group of like terrorizers <laughs> and, yeah we were very bad children <laughs> so tell me how do you be a bad kid in austin i mean it's pretty it's as bad as portland <laughs> i mean we were like 14 mobbing or like ut's in the center of austin just mobbing keg parties and like <laughs> <laughs> kicking all of the like frat guys out of their own house to like eat eggs trying to get home yeah this is my king now which is really nice to picture because Alex is so tiny so it's like I was never the enforcer thrown on top of the I'm too small I had to learn charm that's my D&D skill what brought you to Portland? music i moved to olympia at first and tried to go to college for like a month and they tried to kick me out like four times while i was there and i was coming to portland like five days a week just like didn't actually want to go to college fit in better with the people here made a lot of friends that had been touring austin before i moved to the northwest and just liked it and stayed uh it's so beautiful if you visit here like in the spring once coming like from Chicago, where you like have an existential breakdown every day, waiting for the bus, <laughs> wondering why the fuck you live in this miserable ass city. Like coming here in the spring, and then just of course, like my whole youth, just idolizing so many bands from Portland. And I mean, what Mary said really like speaks to me. Like growing up, there wasn't. It was like a very male dominated scene, and I think that's when I like you know started spreading out to different music scenes and like seeing other like bands playing that 
you know, I was always super insecure and really nervous, like start my first band. And when I came to Portland, I was like, whoa, there's like a lot of female musicians and they're like all really good and really nice. And, you know, I just inspired the fuck out of me. Yeah, I was living in San Francisco and had felt like I put in my time there and uh, just wanted a better quality of life. And I had been coming up to Portland on tours and yeah, spending time here and similarly had observed like women are running shit here and there's a lot of opportunity and it's like a place where you can like, you know, have a job and go out every night and see live music and be like part of something here that's really robust and active Um, and it was just like the hustle in San Francisco was just getting harder and harder, like working three jobs for like less and less and trying to justify, yeah, staying there. And every time I would come up here, I would just feel so much better and like better connected to nature and had less distractions, more time to like be creative to, yeah, to really like explore those types of possibilities. So, um, and it was really easy to move up here too. Like everyone's really accommodating. They have more space so you can like crash in somebody's house when you first live here or um you could like leave a van with your stuff on the street for a couple days without it getting towed just little conveniences like that that started to make a big difference after yeah hustling so hard in san francisco for like over a decade yeah Yeah. i'm a giant nerd and i moved here to get a literature degree Uh, and then stuck around after college because I liked it so much. My favorite nerd. My favorite nerd. Nerds are cool. Thank you. Athena. But I guess I like choosing between here and other places that I might have gone to school. It was just really loving the city a lot and having like a lot of friends who'd moved here. Um, I'd been kind of trying to decide between maybe like here or Chicago or Seattle and it was a combination of kind of like financial things but also I had a lot of my friends had kind of grown up with like Northwest music is a huge a huge part of our lives Um, I remember when I was visiting Seattle and Portland for one of the first times when I was trying to decide where to move I went to this record store that had put out a comp of like all the bands that played at the Funhouse over the past couple of years and it was like Pierce Arrows was on there um, like an unreleased Spitz track or whatever Um, and it, so it was like when I was back in Colorado, I was thinking, I'm really cool. I'm the only person who knows about like any of these bands. But I was not very in Colorado. Absolutely. And I also like, I wasn't very good at like using the internet at that time. So I didn't know how to find out, you know, like more about these bands than just, you know, the one song that had been on this compilation or whatever. And then years and years later, I was telling some of my bandmates at the time that like, my band in high school had covered this band, Reptilian Civilian. And they were just like, oh yeah, like, those guys are in the other band that's in our practice space right now. So like you've met them all many times without knowing that, you know, when you were 17, you were just like, <laughs> I love that song, Evil Basket Weaver. It's so good. <laughs> so that was kind of a funny, a funny little connection. After being born and raised, like being born and raised here, I just take all that shit for granted. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's really easy to do now after being here for a while too. But- especially being stuck here for the last year and a half without that like creative outlet or inspiration to like make music or go support your friends or socialize. Yeah. I mean, like you saying that Tony, when I first moved here from Chicago, like, I mean, you know, the Midwest is like, 
you know, you don't walk, you know, moving here, say like Mount Hood and Bone Horizon and then having Forest Park. I would like take the bus and go to Forest Park and eat my lunch all the time because I was like, what the fuck? This is literally a 10 minute bus ride. And all my friends who live here were like, it's not that amazing. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah, I would have told you not to waste your time. Why the fuck are you going there? One of my first trips here, I saw a fern growing on a tree. It was just like, I like, love that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, that's like a jungle thing. Like, yeah. we don't have even totally. remotely enough water for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's moss and sucking. It's like, yeah, it's like moldy and weird. I, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Slugs, but no other bugs. Yeah, slugs. <laughs> <laughs> the first time, time I saw a banana slug, I just kept singing the Ramones to them. Except fuck the raccoons. We don't have fucking raccoons. We didn't rats in Chicago. Oh. Not like, not like, I had never been like, I didn't know raccoons like walk on their fucking feet. <laughs> Oh, and it scared the shit out of me. I was like, what? They're creeps, but their babies are sweet. Uh, yeah, their babies are so cute. Yeah. To be said of so many people. I tried to rescue a coyote because I thought it was a lost dog. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I like, left it from the park and I was like smoking a cigarette at two in the morning. And I was like, somebody's dog's out. Gotta go rescue it. And then I got through the lamp and I was like nope that's good <laughs> it's like nah I'm good I'm good <laughs> bye, bye. and this is Dial's the nature podcast well fuck I've only been gone five years and all of a sudden now there's rabbits and coyotes just in the streets <laughs> you yeah. leave a city and it goes to shit yeah <laughs> It was the uh, possums living in the Clinton Street Theater for a while. I remember I went to a movie there once. And I, I saw this like I saw this little tail poking oh out from the curtains, my. and it was just like that is a giant fucking rat. And then he turned around while and there was watching a movie. Oh yeah, yeah, that is rad. And, no, uh, and the little there was like the little face, and it was just like that is not a rat. That is a possum. They're like part in our squatters. We <laughs> <laughs> housing for everyone. Yeah. Very they are the ones with rent control on the building. They're <laughs> <laughs> subleasing to the yeah. theater. What changes have you seen in Portland since you've been here? Oh, geez. <laughs> I mean, so many. For me, like when I first got here, all of MLK was just, had just been raised of all the old houses and stuff. So seeing all the large chain link fence lots on MLK be built into these apartments that had sat vacant for the first 10 years I was here. <laughs> pretty weird. Um, I mean, a lot of every, every city's yeah. exploding. I was just going to say that I feel like that's like a kind of really boring narrative that I hear all the time in our community is like, uh, city this the city's out the city's changing like yeah the whole world's fucking changing and no shit it's overpopulated and like something i think is really cool about portland is like yeah tons of people are coming here and really great people from all over who can't like afford their big cities and i see it as like a positive thing you know like especially like during the pandemic so many amazing people from california moving here who just can't afford san francisco anymore and i think it makes our communities better i mean every city's fucking changing and getting more expensive you know, like, 
Or the and people that are unhappy here will probably be fine. unhappy somewhere, somewhere. else. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, I see some, there's a lot of changes and the condos are ugly wherever you go, man. You know, like. It's also uh, the difference of like, am I just older? So yeah. I don't go to house shows anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like now stuff is in this more adult realm of like bars and clubs and. Right. Goth nights with like elders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of like being People in a nasty basement. <laughs> but that's just so happens. I'm just yeah. not going to. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, with this most recent heat wave climate change and the effects of it have been pretty pronounced in Portland. Um, and that's been, yeah, pretty wild to have everyone talk about something like it's going to happen yeah. and it's already happening. And our summers are getting hotter all the time and the winters are getting drier and I've only lived here like six years and can think back on how, yeah, past years, it was just a lot more of the traditional Pacific Northwest, like long, dark, gray winters. And now we're having like tons of sun in December and things like that. So yeah, I think the implications of climate change are definitely um, happening here as well, just like everywhere else in the world. There was a house doing all age shows, the courthouse, and it was hella young punks. But then they had a kitchen nook, and everyone 30 and over would stand by the kitchen nook and (laughs) get their head kicked in. It was pretty cool. I remember uh, this band from, I don't remember their name, but like I remember be like, okay, everyone over 30, back in time this kitchen. Where are my people at? Smoke in front of me at shows. Yes, I definitely been there, and I actually the courthouse. Yeah, I was there, and I actually Keith and Colin Gerald were there, and I remember Keith just feeling really uncomfortable, and Colin too, and Colin being like, "Are we gonna like go to jail?" Because <laughs> 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 um, there's a, like high school and yeah. like they're in their late thirties. I was like, "No, Colin is a chaperone." <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. what's fucked up about that? My niece or nephew might have already played there. I, no, I, okay, what's even more fucked up is Carmen, shout out, boss of Chelsea Saw, and her daughter was there. Oh, and I was like, I was wearing the assless chat. Okay. Yeah, Laura's wearing assless chat. <laughs> I was like, I read the room yeah. all wrong. <laughs> and, like, and I like get a read on the yard. And I'm like, Laura, I feel kind of nervous. Like, my boss's 16 year old daughter is going to be here. And I was like, oh my fucking God. Like, look at the, like, look away. I was like, I can't, I don't want her to see me. Like, my bandmates are wearing assless chaps. I'm a con. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do think, like, despite the changes in Portland, there have been some really cool houses. There's a house that's now a collective called Esta Noche, yeah. and they've been really, like, elevating BIPOC voices. Oh, hi. Shana. Shana. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I feel like uh, like me and Shauna's old band Petite, we played a benefit show there and just like exciting stuff that people are making happen and they've been doing um, like different events and backyards giving opportunities to like specifically to BIPOC vendors to have spaces to like sell stuff and create community so like despite everything that's happening with gentrification it's been really inspiring yes. to see yep. yeah, people like working around that, being innovative and yeah, yeah, creating spaces. So yeah, lift people up. Yeah, it just feels really good to be here. You know, how'd you guys get into punk? How'd you get into the subculture? 
120 minutes on MTV on Sunday night. <laughs> Are we the same age? <laughs> Look at these silver hairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the same amount. Yeah. What's your birthday? God, do you remember that was the only place you could see the young ones and like we recorded it and would watch them like a hundred times on a videotape? On I didn't watch the young ones, but I remember being tired every Monday morning at school because I would stay up and watch 120 minutes. I would stay up and watch In Living Color every night before I was. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I, I wanted to be a fly girl when I grew up. Oh, hell yeah. You are a fly girl. Oh, oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Gotta get better on my roller skates. <laughs> Yeah, my dad would always put on MTV when I was a little kid. And I remember seeing the Love Shack video when I was like four or something and was like, that's the party I want to be at. And that <laughs> carried me like into my teenage years. And he and I would go into Harvard Square and there's this place, uh, Planet Records. And just like all the records I gravitated towards were like the ones that looked, yeah, just like very cool, classic punk imagery. Um yeah. And yeah, obviously just like teenage angst, like wanting to be in a place where people were just like letting loose. And I think what I didn't expect was like the first shows that I went to, like most at the Worcester Palladium, there was like a ton of tabling. And so it was like, I went into it just wanting to like stage dive and ended up learning about like veganism yeah. and <laughs> animal nutrition <laughs> and like the environment and we're not bonds like yeah yeah. we're not bonds and like yeah fucking indoctrination yeah yeah Yeah, it like really kept my interest in it because i was like okay this is kind of more than what i'm just seeing on mtv there's like the whole culture of people and then learning about like network of friends and just how bands in the 80s were able to like build these like bi-coastal and like international relationships with people like, yeah. you know, before the internet and the ability to meet people that way, it was really inspiring to be like, oh, letter writing. Yeah, yeah. sure. That's awesome. Get some pen pals in some other cities and like exchange tapes or like a burnt CD when that yeah. came on. <laughs> I saw it my VHS. It was watching Another State of Mind. And like, yeah, I mean, Mike Nest, I can't get over him smearing that eyeliner and, you know. <laughs> talking about the sympathetic like a punk but yeah i mean it was also kind of like the first thing to watch where you're like you know watching minor threat and all these communities like and, and at a young age seeing that wow it's so cool like it's more than just the music you know? i feel like it wasn't like a choice to get into punk it just it happened that was like mm-hmm. the path of like these people i thought were interesting mm-hmm. and wanted to emulate in some way because they were inspirational i guess um but they were also nice and empathetic and would teach you about stuff. And yeah, I mean, just like liking music as a kid took me down the punk route because I didn't want to like go into the math oh, rock well. world. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I turned 14 the day after George Bush was reelected, so it was kind of peak like rock against Bush time. Um, my brother gave me the first Clash album and it was kind of like, like my hometown is very, uh, not as much anymore, but it's very kind of like hippie leaning. And so it was really interesting having kind of like, like my political education was always very lefty, but like quite sort of like pacifist, um, a lot of animal rights stuff, a lot of environmental stuff. And then finding kind of like um, a lens on that that felt less not to like diss my elders, but like less corny, a little bit more direct, a little bit more kind of like acknowledging that like 
these topics come with negative feelings sometimes and it's good to find a way to kind of like channel that aggression in a good way um so that was kind of like my early and i guess i would just like i didn't really know very many other punks on account of the scene being very very small so i would go to the public library and get like please kill me or there was this giant lime green coffee table book that was all about like the early days of punk in england um that i i would like take notes uh to <laughs> edges from that um and then uh i guess when i got a little bit older i met you know like other people who were kind of interested in the same things and it became more of kind of like a community thing i worked at an art museum for a while um and this uh this woman who did this amazing installation piece there was like an old punk from new mexico which was kind of like even more remote than than where i was from and she talked about like getting into punk through maximum rock and roll and how when she was a teenager in the 80s that was like you would have like pen pals and like the ussr and that was kind of like the way that you would connect with people internationally and that always that always just like completely blew my mind um so it was a super pain in the ass but it seemed more uh seemed more legitimate more effort yeah. like so much different than just like liking a photo on a screen they actually had to like build connections with people yeah. and have conversations yeah and i feel like that's something that i do appreciate a little bit about having come from like a place without a lot of resources as compared to like I think that sometimes if you are in a space where there are a lot of opportunities to do shows and start bands and kind of like it's a bit more like approved of by adults then some of the sort of like weird edges get sanded off a little bit um which i there was a lot more of kind of a spirit of just like making your own fun than like inventing something completely from scratch because you don't have connections to other people um that i grew up with that i i still really value for sure yeah, because you can like just end up taking it for granted or getting lazy and expecting other people to do it. I get more mad that other people aren't doing it normally. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, somebody, somebody yeah. take the torch. <laughs> <laughs> what were the first bands you got obsessed with? Absolutely The Clash. Like, I feel a little dorky talking about how much I liked them now, but I just like loved them so much found out that they used to practice in a neighborhood where i'd lived for a little bit when i was a kid and then would like uh. get my parents like a to z of london and kind of be like okay here's how i could have walked there from my house um oh, yeah. <laughs> just got like all of the books all of the documentaries like just really did an extremely deep very obsessive dive on them got all the like weird bootleg recordings just really went to town hell yeah yeah, it's definitely the Ramones for me. I like would write every possible high school paper that I could, however possible. Flushing. Yeah, I gotta uh, follow Rose on that one. Like, I mean, absolutely love Ramones, but the Clash was like, you know, one of those bands that like. They just like continuously blow my mind. You know, like the first time you listen to San Benito when you're a teenager, you're like this record's fucking weird. And why is there these little kids singing? And then you revisit it. <laughs> I'm on psychedelics. Yeah. And it makes so much sense. But yeah, the Clash, Ramones, any political, yeah, classic, yeah, punk rock, ABCs on your bed too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I liked that they had kind of like a visual arts background. Also, like Paul Simonon's painting mm -hmm. career has been a huge inspiration for me as well. Paul Cinnamon, Daddy. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening, Paul. I'm single. Paul, shutting you out. You are your fun. You still have a chance to be with me. I know you were voted hottest man in, in Vogue magazine in 2009. <laughs> <laughs> and I forgotten, you know. Paul. Yeah. Still waiting. That had to be English Vogue. Yeah. <laughs> the, the teeth. Yo, no, it was American Vogue. Gina Chacho, my best friend, came home from Chicago. It's like 2009. She's like, oh my God. Guess who was voted? hottest man in Vogue and she opens it and I was like Paul they don't even deserve him <laughs> no one deserves him. my parents raised me on like B-52s Prince The Clash yeah. and stuff but I would say like the first real obsession that like influenced my actual style in a negative way Adam <laughs> <laughs> Ant like I Oh, oh. Yeah. oh, and then Teen Vogue, street fashion. What? Can we do everything? I'm wearing like a stripy shirt with a skull on it, and I have like red dickies that I had like cut the bottom of. Yeah, <laughs> and they like interviewed. They're like, "What's your style sense?" So I was like, "Pirate fashion." Can that be the picture for this podcast? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Please. That's um, Alex Channeling, Adam Yannett. It's yeah. very embarrassing. But I still love Adam Yeah, he's a Scorpio. Like oh, a very, what's very there not Scorpio. to love? Everybody yeah. should have some Scorpios in this band. When he played at Revolution <laughs> Hall, <laughs> when he played at Revolution <laughs> Hall, me and my friend Natasha, we saw them, and then the show let out, and we were drunk. And we were trying to write a note. <laughs> For him to give to the bus driver, but we were too drunk to write <laughs> <laughs> or come up with sentences. <laughs> and he's like the most soberest. <laughs> and we got kicked off the stuff. And <laughs> tragedy. Pat Benatar was also another one I was really, really, really obsessed with in high school. I was, yeah, I was obsessed with Patti Smith too. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like, not her music though, but just like, like, I would like, you know, listen to maybe horses, but like, could really pass on a lot of her records. But just reading her books and her poetry and like her style and her style, mm-hmm. I mean, I look at me, you know, it's like, but yeah, re- like she was like kind of like, the first fan for me to be like, her. It wasn't just her music, you know, and also being obsessed with her, like, introduced me to, like, photographers and, like, authors, and I was, like, getting, you know, this broader spectrum of what punk is, not just in the music, but the community. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. What about you, Mary? What was your first obsession? Saw Youth and PJ Harvey. Yeah. yeah. PJ Harvey was so badass. She was like, yeah. wow, like, who is this person? She was so tiny, but so powerful. Yeah. And... You know, Kim Gordon, like, amazing. Yeah. I like Sonic Youth a lot. Yeah. Sonic Youth yeah. was, like, Absolutely. number one top. I was like, ah, I want to do this. This is what yeah. I want to do. Yeah. What did punk mean when you first got involved? I think the political angle of it was probably the most important for me. Like, political and doing it, just, like, doing it yourself outside of, kind of, like, accepted structures. Because there was definitely, like, um, n- 
not a lot of options of places to go see music in my hometown. And a lot of what was there was kind of like, uh, aimed at like your typical sort of university student, sort of like the, the red solo cup crowd, or, you know, you would get sort of more like mainstream indie rock bands coming through, but it was just like the idea that you could just play a show like in a garage or like my friends rented this dance studio to have their high school band play and just that there were kind of like things you could create for yourself outside of what was sort of like packaged and, and would cost like $30. And, and that kind of thing was really important to me, I think. And relating to that, that to just kind of like structures of like how you take care of people outside of like how the government normally works. My roots were a little dumber, I guess. <laughs> it was definitely like having fun and yeah. raising shit, trying not to get caught, running from the cops yeah. every weekend. But yeah, also same. super community built, like we were family, and that's how I learned to be friends with people was from those people that, I mean, punk always kind of does have people that have a little bit more of an interesting story to their background or something that bonds us. And like as teenagers, that was just a deeper connection than I could find yeah. with other people. Yeah. When I moved to San Francisco when I was 18, like sure that I knew everything that there was to know about life. It was really eye opening, like just going to DIY spaces. There was, you know, like burnt ramen or hazmat it was sort of like my first experience of seeing places that people lived in the venue. And we're also like using that as an opportunity to host fans and bring people in from different places and, yeah, I mean, like the Bay Area in general was a lot different than there was less. I mean, there's always like we were talking about before, there's always waves of gentrification, but it was also like my first kind of stepping out on my own and not having such like a sheltered um, yeah, existence of being in a place that like challenged me in different ways. And so sometimes going to those shows, you know, you're like going by yourself, walking on some train tracks, like some sketchy shit might happen, but it was like, you wanted to go and be in that space and like have that experience that the rest of it. Yeah. It didn't matter. Like you were willing to take those risks. And I think like also being involved with maximum rock and roll. And there was another place, Thrill house records in San Francisco. And that was just like really, yeah. Inspiring for me to see like, there's more that you can do besides just like, like listening to records and hanging out with people and getting wasted is like very fun. Don't get me wrong. That's a timeless <laughs> past time for all ages but um seeing that there were like other ways to do things and yeah hosting bands from other countries and seeing people with different experiences be elevated in that way and like have that opportunity was really wild and then just seeing people live like in a more collective like flattened hierarchy um yeah that was also really cool to just see and sometimes like you know the toilet, like the toilets at every punk house that you've ever gone to are like <laughs> legendary, and like, some of yellow. those, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Honorable mention: the outhouse in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> oh fuck! I would rather piss than anything in the alley. 
Van Gogh and your fucking disgusting face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can think of so many like houses, like the Fabric House in San Francisco or the Swamp in Oakland was like someone's house and like this amazing woman like turned her basement into a venue and just like that was the spot. And if it wasn't there, like those shows just wouldn't have happened because right. the bands that were playing it, like you're not going to get a guarantee or something like, you she have is awesome. she, like made yeah, dude, shout out to Allie for like yeah. single-handedly supporting. Yeah. The Oakland punk scene and now has like a very cool tea shop called blue willow in um, Berkeley as well. And yeah, it's just stuff like that. Like she's an entrepreneur and like took it upon herself to like create a home for so many bands and places where like you didn't need to have, some dude book your show and do some pay to play and and like, yeah you didn't need to have like a, a record out you know you could just you could just do it and so that was like really influential for me and just had a big impact on like opening my eyes to like social activism yeah. or like there's a way that you can kind of build this stuff into your life and um yeah I probably wouldn't like have the job that I have now or do what I do for work if it wasn't for having like been involved in like DIY culture and punk ethos and learning more just about like yeah doing as little harm as possible and trying to yeah connect with people good answer (laughs) (laughs) what is DIY punk (laughs) I love Jeopardy (laughs) (laughs) What hopes do you have for punk in the future? I hope that younger kids still find it interesting and like the same calling that just brought us all to this kind of, for me, it was like, what am I going to do with my life? And this was just a path that I felt drawn to the whole time. It wasn't like so much of a choice that was called to it because it was great and I love it it's my family yeah and yeah but I want to see like younger people expressing themselves and making their own new stuff yeah I mean I think I mean okay Tony or maybe you'll put off at me because I am my age but I I think now like something I notice is like you know because everything is so accessible at your fingertip and like you know part of the excitement of getting into rock and roll and collecting records for me it was like you know, going to half price fucking bookstore with my mom in some fucking shitty ass town in Kansas City. And like, I still have my first Wire record, Modern Lovers record that I bought when I was 16 and being like, whoa, that looks cool. You know, and just like the excitement, like, just like the exploration of finding new things. And I think with everything being so tangible, like, I hope for the future, like, you know, there's not like a, like a boredom almost, you know, I don't know the right way yeah. to express that, but like, that it doesn't like lose its there's like a certain magic to that and finding you know yeah seeing somebody sense? wearing like a really cool hand painted jacket and being like i gotta know what yeah. that band is yeah. so like that's the gateway rather than yeah it's always kind of weird to me like you know when you meet someone and they're like oh yeah yeah i know that i know that it's like you could google it and like i think for me when i was younger i was so excited to meet any person older than me and like hear their story or they would make you a mixtape yeah, yeah totally yeah. introduce you to these different genres of pop yes, instead yeah. of just this yeah I have a lot of op- yeah I have a lot of optimism about kind of like international stuff I think um, I think that we're starting to see and I guess sort of like the more positive part of kind of like broader accessibility is that you're getting a lot more kind of like punk activity happening in places like Morocco or like deepest Siberia um, than maybe would have necessarily been like 
happening quite as much in the past. Uh, right. Or just like people kind of learning, I guess just kind of like an updated continuation of people learning about kind of like ways of keeping in touch. If you're, if you're living in a place with like a lot of political repression, like, um, I don't know, learning that there's kind of like other avenues out there and kind of figure out how to, how to smuggle things out using kind of like, I guess seeing like the sort of early utopian possibilities of the internet when it was kind of first being dreamed up in the eighties, as opposed to this kind of like corporatized packaged, uh, very mediated thing that it's become now. Um, I'm sick of lanyards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like less commercialization and capitalism and not calling them like a, Oh, there's a term that those bookers use all the time is the performer or something. Uh, yeah. Not that word. It's a different word. But yeah. Yeah. Always gives me the cringe. It's so cringe. Yeah. I think it's just like we've, we've come to this point where people put so much of their identity like through these kind of corporate mediated structures. Like you put so much of kind of like all of your interests, like checking boxes on social media, like the yeah. that you're sort of presenting and it becomes a way where like, it's very easy to kind of like have things sort of packaged and sold to you. And I think that kind of like encouraging people to kind of go a slightly more like offline Luddite kind of direction is a positive thing. And I, I do see younger people kind of getting excited about that. Um, so, you know, the hope is, or, you know, they're kind of figuring out like, sure, like all of these corporate forms of social media aren't working. So we're going to like learn to code and make some sort of like really fucking bizarre website where you can download like, music that was recorded on a cell phone in the Namibian desert. And you're not going to find that on like streaming on Spotify or whatever. <laughs> Are you talking about Bandcamp? Uh, no, no, like not even Bandcamp. Like I think Bandcamp is becoming kind of the more like, like it's, I'm happy that Bandcamp exists. I think it's a good platform for getting money to artists, but it's also, it's like hella like iPhone recording. For sure. But I think it's also like, because it's so centralized and because it's like one of the, the biggest alternatives out there it is becoming a little bit of like a monopoly and i think it's always good to kind of resist monopolies it's fine to put music up on these things but also like think about having it accessible in different forms think about not kind of like channeling not putting all of your eggs in one basket not channeling everything through just kind of like one website that is at its heart like a tech company that's owned by investors rather than like you know i've seen a lot of younger people actually going into music law too like instead of spending their career studying criminal defense or something like people are starting to study music law that are in our community. And I think that's going to make a really cool difference to all of the music vultures like ASCAP and then Bandcamp and everybody you have to take 10 cents for every dollar. Wouldn't that be awesome? If you can actually trademark your songs and everything goes to the band. Yeah, I think like with the uprising happening, like over the last year, I'm hopeful that people have more insight into like the space that they take up and ways to elevate, you know, like get out of this like white male narrative and history of punk, like black and indigenous and people of color and like women and all those like groups have always been in punk and have been written out largely because of the history and who's telling it. And like, I think, if the last year has like taught us nothing, it's like super important to just like check out where you have room to like give more, you know what I mean? And like step into those spaces and get uncomfortable and like check out who's like not in the bands, like who's not on the bill, who's not feeling comfortable in those spaces and like really try to be conscientious of like elevating 
other voices other than the ones that have like determined the narrative for so long because like it's not even the truth like you know there's been so many more people other than like cis white men and i think now that there's more shared language and um people are writing more about this topic and like older you know older people from the 70s are like reflecting on their experiences and like alice bag i think is a really great example of someone who was like everyone is tripping if you think that there weren't like women of color involved in this movement from yeah. the beginning and just silence yeah, yeah just silence yeah. included and so my hope is that like yeah people start kind of checking out those power differentials and being more um like willing to get uncomfortable and have those conversations and like yeah. step off the stage for your like ego-driven need for attention yeah. and benefit the shows. spotlight on yeah. somebody else. Yeah, and, like, I think that's changed quite a bit. Like, I can remember specifically in San Francisco, like, the gatekeeping was out of control. And the elitism and the hype bands and the boys clubs were oh, yeah. crazy. And you could have dudes who would act a fool, like, seven nights a week. But then if there was a woman who did, you know, one thing that was seen to be, like, uncouth in the in like their opinion of what punks should be. It was like people would be cast out and treated like shit. I've had like fireworks rolled under my feet at shows for like telling some dude to fuck off, you know? And I think that now there's more people who are like harnessing their power and agency to create like clicks, you know, within the smaller groups of people. And even though there's a lot of women that have always been involved, there's still been like a really male dominated mentality um, which has like ironically created a space for people that don't fit that mentality or that description to like build community with each other. And I don't even know if dudes get that, but yeah. there's so much more happening than there's maybe the door. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let it hit you on the way out. <laughs> no. For sure. Yeah. It's definitely been interesting, like over the course of when I've been playing music, because I remember when I moved here and I first started going to shows, it would be rare for there to be even one woman performing. I think mm-hmm. I came into Portland at kind of a time when it was a real, like, like there had been Riot Girl, and then there was kind of like a, a reaction to that that was very... Almost bad. crusty, like hair and scare them and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and, well, and also, I mean, I was going, like, I, I was like an East End person, so I was going to a whole bunch of, like, you know, power pop garage rock shows, and it would, you know, there would be, like, one woman playing bass in one band, and that was, like, a good night, and the rest of the time it was just, like, yeah. dudes. And my friends and I would go to the shows because we liked and cared about the music, but it was always kind of presented as like, oh, you're going to these shows out of a desire to like make romantic connections, not because you actually care about the music or have this kind of like deep knowledge about it. And that was really dehumanizing, having people assume that like you're there because you want to like give sexual attention to men in bands rather than just like because you like listening to stuff. And then when I started a band of my own, it was like three of us were women and we would have so many people asking like, oh, like we thought that your bandmate's husband wrote all of your songs when it was just Arf. like, I've been playing guitar since I was 14, man. Arf. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's a certain kind of, um, or yeah, just having people come up to me and be like, you know, I always saw you at shows, but like, I never pictured you playing an instrument. And so coming from, from that to like, you're a good these genre days, for a female. Right. Yeah. Like, um, oh, that, yeah, that's the most fucked one. Yeah. Uh, I hate that one. Or, yeah. Or just kind of like, or, or the assumption that like, if, if your band was included mm-hmm. on a bill, it was through some sort of like quota system mm-hmm. where it was people being like, okay, like we acknowledge that we need to include more women. So like, we're going to let your band play, even though like normally we wouldn't. Yeah. Check um, the box rather than like actually being interested. Yeah. Right? Um, and so it's been really refreshing. Like I think, you know, 
now it's very, very rare for me to play shows where like I'm my bandmates and I are the only women band on the bill. It's like, that's become quite, quite a lot more frequent that like, I don't know, like I've, I've, I've had my first experience of accidentally booking a show where none of the musicians were men. And that was really exciting for me because it was just like thinking about how many shows that like I've booked or I've been to where it's like, you're not like seeking out to put together an all male bill. It's just how it happens. And then I, I had a show that was like, like I had a solo project for a little while, my friend's band from Canada and then my other friend's band from here. And it was just like, I'm putting this bill together because these are all musicians that I like because I think that they sound good together. And it just so accidentally happens that none of them are men and that's wild. And like, that's, just no, kind of not having like gender come into it as a question was such a new experience for me. I mean, it's a trend to make sure that a show has a more diverse thing. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing to be a trend because it's pushing people to do something that wouldn't normally mm-hmm. just stop doing the like same hardcore band for every My show. buddy's band. Yeah. My buddy's, yeah. buddy's band. Yeah. And I think that that's how the gatekeeping kind of ends up happening. Like, because women and men tend to be socialized differently, um, you know, there may be people who haven't been playing music as long. And then there isn't always like patience afforded to people to give them that space to like get better. And then you just kind of end up with these like carbon copy clones of like, five cis straight white men playing arena cross, four cis straight white men playing DB hardcore. And it's just like, fuck where is like the excitement or the innovation like yeah let's keep things creative like sometimes that means that like you don't get to put out a seven inch in the first three months because someone's learning an instrument and like isn't that what this whole thing is about like the whole point of it is um you can yeah pick up any instrument you want yeah Yeah. and that there doesn't have to be kind of like a a hierarchical understanding of technical skill like Mm-hmm. like part of the reason that we're punks is because we don't want to play music that's like at a very high right. polish or at least that's that's how I feel mm-hmm. um, and so the, the kind of expectation that like it's just interesting that people will sort of assume that or I, I in my experience sometimes people will have assumed that like female bands included on bills it's like oh you're we're like allowing you in on kind of like a scholarship basis mm-hmm. but then if you look at kind of like the comparative level of skill and, and polish and everything it's just like oh there's there's so many bad bands that are men. <laughs> that band will be selling more records and t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, be touring faster. And We've been like pushed to the shadows. So now if we're on a stage, we're like meeting it. It's like heart. It's like, you know, that's what's lacking in all of this weird, you know, repetitive male, yeah. cis male-based music. It's like, they're just doing it to like have clout. They're not doing it because they like... I'm not speaking for everybody, but... I can just yeah. kind of see it a little... Yeah. And I guess like, I, I would yeah. like to, to inject a little kind of note of like optimism into this, like I definitely wouldn't be in the position of, of like playing music where I am if it hadn't been for like, you know, the support of like my, my brotherhood of dudes, honestly, like... I've been in bands with men who've been really, really supportive and really encouraging and really like, like shown me a lot of technical stuff that I didn't know otherwise. Um, I've, I've had experiences of like having men in the punk scene, like stick up for me in ways that like, I think it's easy to kind of like 
focus really, really hard on the negative and focus really, really hard on the people that are exclusive, but, and, and not kind of be like uplifting. Like there are dudes who've like definitely done me solid and like definitely put a lot of effort in or not even, I, I guess it's kind of like, there's a certain way that you can sort of like performatively be like, I'm making a really big point of like booking female bands. And then what's so much nicer is that when there are people who are just kind of automatically like I'm booking this band cause it's good. Like I'm putting out this record cause it's good. Yeah. Like um, I think Johnny cat's been really great about that. Of just being like, I just like recognize what good bands are and I will put them on my label. And like, it's cause they're tight. It's not because I'm trying to kind of like fill out like a, a pie chart of like, have to have this percentage of bands come from this particular background. Uh, like and giving out scholarships at a yeah, like, yeah. university. <laughs> I mean, to Alex, to like your point, I think what has been interesting is I can think about some dudes that were like the most just discouraging, um, like boys club and they're gone, you know, they're, they, they had one band, it was mediocre and they're gone. They're not around. Like, they are just having the normal ass life that was easy for them, just like punk was easy for them, you know, many years beforehand. And so it really is like the people that have, you know, continue to have like the heart and the drive and the interest and the involvement um, that it has been really optimistic. And just want to give a shout out to the late Scott Alcoholicost, who was like a, such a pivotal person in the Bay Area punk scene because he didn't practice any of that elitism. Like he was always just stoked on new bands, never did anything creepy or sus. Um, anytime someone had a project, like he would put you on a bill, he would give you a chance. And it was just really awesome to sort of have that type of like counterbalance in a place where so many people are consumed with like making money and the hustle. Like if you were willing to pay the play the knockout at five o'clock on a Tuesday, <laughs> and then like the next week you could play on a Saturday, and um, yeah, he passed not too long ago, and it's just like sort of leaving a big space. But I hope that like his memory serves to really inspire people to just continue forward with that way of like lifting people up, promoting things, giving people opportunities without it having to be because they're like a hype band or because you're just trying to check off like some shitty diversity quota. It's yeah. a lot easier to be nice to people and bring new people into a mixed bill. Like that really makes things interesting. Everybody doesn't want to go to the same show every time. Yeah. 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 I Things have got better and I think they're continuing to improve. And it's really, it's like my old band, uh, one of the last things that we did before COVID is that we played some shows in Hawaii and it was really interesting as kind of like an acknowledgement of how far Portland has come that one of the shows that we played there in Honolulu was like, it had been curated to be, you know, like two different bands of high school girls and us. And then like one band that was slightly older people where they haven't had a one in the band. And there were these girls, it felt like being in the Ramones because there were all these girls coming up and being like, this is like the first time that we've seen this. This is not an experience that we've had. We've just like, that's so cool. Yeah, we haven't like yeah. had this had this reflection of ourselves on stage as much, or or you know these girls that were in high school who were in bands who were playing were like it was one of their first times getting to play like a proper venue, um, which was really really inspiring and also just kind of really wild that it's like that kind of like makeup of bill is really commonplace in Portland now. Like I think people are really kind of getting with the program and like you know, or maybe the femme um, based bands are just better. <laughs> <laughs> so prove it. Let's play another song. What's the next one? <laughs> um, all right, so you're going to hear a song called Original World, and 
lyrically, the song is about struggling to find meaning in capitalist society and making good of the moments where you have an opportunity to uh, challenge dominant culture. Musically, this is the first one that I wrote for this band. Um, uh, Shauna helps with the progression of yours. <laughs> this is my first time being in a band with two guitars. Me I've too. only ever been. Yeah, it's I've only so ever been. In, it's so great. So just coming up with something that was kind really of like it. a part yeah. that uh, that everybody else could, could build on top of, just like kind of laying down the foundation for it, so that seeing what everybody else did with it was uh, super exciting and fun. Recording experience. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, he's he does a lot of like very detailed pre-mixing, and he's also really good at like coming in and giving you very accurate feedback that can help you fix whatever you're doing. I was doing like working on recording vocals, and and there was something that I could hear in my mind really clearly that I wanted to to do, and I was kind of like humming it to him, and he was just like, "Oh no, no, it's gonna go like this," and then that was perfect. Every request was a yes. Yeah. Yes, I can do that. Yes, you can bring river rocks. <laughs> we started to get into this, but uh, so is punk sexist? I don't know if it's like uniquely sexist as compared to the rest of the world, honestly. Like I've had as much bizarre, misogynistic, 
behavior happen at me in just kind of like my normal life as I've had in punk. I think that when you do encounter sexism in punk, it feels like more of a betrayal because you're going yeah. into it with the assumption that you're definitely going to be like more on the same team. And so it's really upsetting when someone who's kind of a purporting to espouse a lot of the same values that you do is then kind of like deviating from that and going into kind of like a more regressive direction. But um, I definitely like, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say, I feel like there's this kind of narrative that like, oh, punk is like particularly bad that I don't, I haven't myself felt to be true. And I definitely, I do also want to like shout out like men that I know who have done You've their part. So like a members of pirate punk. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like I, I guess I just I want to like speak to like men that I know who have definitely like at considerable personal loss like stood up against abuse that like their buddies have perpetrated and I think that that's like that's really noteworthy and really important. I think I wish it wasn't so noteworthy. I wish it was just the <laughs> yeah. baseline, bare minimum. I feel like men that. You know, there's some cool dudes, you know, whatever, whatever. But even at their coolest, it is, in my opinion, a lot of the bare minimum. And I do think, like Rose said, you know, all isms in dominant society are reflected in the microcosm of punk. Like, it's all there. And I think that in some ways, it's like the failure to recognize its presence and to believe that somehow by, like, wearing certain clothes and listening to certain bands, we've all surpassed these things that are like ingrained, internalized, yes. unconscious bias, like behavior that needs to be actively unlearned. That goes back to trauma. Chance, like, uh, yeah. 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 You know you have this ingrained behavior. Mm -hmm. Unlearn it. Yeah. Don't make us do it yeah. as your caretakers, yeah. as thems. Yeah. 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 And I'm going to follow something Laura said before and like in hopes for like the future, but like when you said like, you know, this last year, we all had so much time to, like, reflect and, like, moving forward, like, how do we want to take up that space? And I will say, you know, with the sexism comment, like, it was kind of disappointing to see certain men that I know in other cities, like, immediately taking up that space and, like, that self-proclaimed thing and talking to other women and, like, promoters being like, hey, like, does your, like, female band want to play? oh and then they said no like well do you know another women band that's not too heavy and it's like you know yeah. come on it's like there's a bear yeah. yeah like uh, you, you can do your own research about, like, no, yeah. It yeah but it's just like you know for me i was disappointed and even some men i grew up with you know i had kind of dipped on that in my youth i was extremely insecure um around a lot of a very violent scene a lot of men where like women didn't have a space and i think alternatively i was like treated other women poorly because I thought that that was like how I could show being feminist and being punk. And like all again, yes, right. alternately, yeah. I was awful. I was horrible to other women. I, you know, and it, it was like an exchange of learned behavior from sexism. And, you know, when I kind of like talked to men who I've known for so many years, there's still this like, underlying thing of like, Oh, it's so crazy how far you've come, Shauna. I'm like, oh, it's so crazy. You're so fucking moron. Like, you know, like, I wish you, I wish, I'm moron. I wish you all balls at all. Like, you're so stuck. You're so stuck, you know? It's like, I don't know. It's, it's just a I'll, I'll touch on it a little bit. I think the ego and like the male kind of psyche that needs the, 
audience is a lot stronger than people that just want to play music. So I book shows forever. My email will be the same dude pressuring me once they find out I'm a female because my name's Alex. So they'll be like, hey, dude, what's up, bro? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, stop. But they will just, once they know, they'll keep every day sending an email. But I've also booked shows for my friends. And they will play their set and get on stage and think my the person I run the space with that had nothing to do with booking their show that yes. is a masked person. Like, oh my God. Yeah. And, like yes. and those yeah. are my friends. Yeah. They don't even yes. know that person. Yep. Yeah. That's insane to me. And yeah. that's like yeah. Sorry, two very quick little things about like Yeah. I don't think they know they're doing it. Right. It still affected me right. really negatively. Yeah. And that's like that thing is yeah, I see that all the time with Alex, you know, and it's always so upsetting to me where you know, when I'm in a conversation and you hear that and you're like, Well, you know, Alex booked this or also I always have to be like, she also owns this bar and runs it. Why is it just her partner like getting the credit often? And again, I don't think those people are doing it or intentionally doing that. It's just a learned yeah. It's yeah. like this learned thing. I don't know. It's, it's like, like a lack of self-awareness, a lack of being interested in unlearning, um, institutionalized, unconscious, mm -hmm. you know, internalized, socialized yeah. behaviors. And it ends up falling on other people. And oftentimes, even like when a cis white man might fuck up and ask other people, like including women of color, how to make things right, they'll take it personally when people give them honest feedback. And oftentimes men can like use language that they've read in a book or that they've seen in an infographic about everybody else, about every other thing, you know, they want to wear the crass logo. They want to be like, you know, wearing the icons of Phil shirt. Like like yeah. yeah, totally. Poison girls, this, that, the other thing. But then when it comes down to actually needing to acknowledge like how we all can cause harm and instances where they may have like perpetuated misogyny or patriarchy within the punk scene it's like silence and i think that that also like using rose's words like it feels just like and it's a betrayal and it feels really frustrating because then you get to decide like do i want to be the person who kind of goes head to head with this person about like their own growth and development yes no the free therapy is over yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I, I think like there's a way that like men will sometimes put a lot of effort into kind of keeping each other in line in a way that I think that they could like expand that more towards growth. Like an example that I can think of is, you know, last year a whole bunch of really horrible news about like the burger records thing broke and like some people that I knew in Portland were very much involved in that. And uh, something that was really like bizarre and upsetting is like having known these people for a couple of years, one of their bandmates who was like a childhood friend of theirs had seen earlier on like my bros are engaging in behavior that like I don't support and I don't want to deal with. And he tried to raise that with them and tried to like, like do the work that like these men were expecting women to do for them of explaining, like, here's where you're out of line. Like here's your here things that are making me as your like childhood friend uncomfortable. And it wound up like, like he got kicked out of their band. He had like really, you know, had just like really terrible, like social consequences for trying to kind of like, do his part 
Well, I think it just goes back to that idea that like if an issue gets raised with an individual or a set of individuals, it's easier to erase the person raising that claim than it is to actually take that back and how uncomfortable it is to look at all of that stuff. But it's just, you know, like we're all capable of causing harm and doing those things. Like that's probably the more common feature. And if more people were willing to acknowledge that that happens and it's like the follow-up after that happens, maybe more people would be, I don't know, better able to navigate these conversations um, or engage like in restorative processes. Cause I think what everyone would like to get away from is just perpetuating like the prison industrial complex within the punk scene and not, no one can take on like, beating the same guy's ass every single night or excluding the same guy. It's got to be. We've got measure 11 in Oregon. We can't. Yeah. So it's like, there's got to be a sustainable way to like restore, you know, uh, like heal when there's been harm. But part of that means like maybe your band doesn't get to play the cool headlining show. Like maybe you got to take some time out and look at that stuff. And like in the grand scheme of things, those all seem like, small sacrifices for the visibility and like really privilege and luxury to be part of like a scene of people that care enough about one another to like want it to be a space that yeah doesn't feel shitty or like harmful to certain people and i think that there's also like what i was getting into earlier about kind of like it can be really easy to get really caught up in like how how painful a lot of this is but there are also like through this kind of like healing process, I think that there really is a lot of like joy and connectivity and genuine community on the other side that like it's out there and we, we know the direction to it and we just have to get there and like, like forming more of these kind of like genuine relationships that are, that are much more like balanced and communicative is kind of like our path to there. Um, and it's, it's worth aiming for. It's definitely like, it's, it's something that can, and, but it's like I feel like you know in animal trading you don't you don't use like, oh shit <laughs> getting back to like wild dials is like the uh, well humans are animals getting back to dials is the wildlife band like you don't use negative <laughs> you don't use negative reinforcement to get to shape someone's behavior because it doesn't work and I think that people sometimes have this very kind of like capitalist Christian idea that like if I've done X bad thing then as long as I feel bad about it for like Y amount of time then like that pays my debt when in fact it's like part of it will involve feeling bad. Part of it will involve feeling uncomfortable. But like another thing to focus on is that like not like changing your behavior, changing the behaviors through and then realizing like, you know, what, what ways in which like that can improve your life, what ways in which that can improve the, the quality of the relationships that you have with other people, like how that can kind of like lead you to develop like other sources of emotional support. Like, learning as a man to like talk about your feelings with your male friends is huge. Like watching movies that you think are corny that might make you cry. Like all of these things are like unlearning are just like possibilities that are out there for you that will help you feel good. And that that can be like a really strong motivation to just like break, break out of the prison walls in your own mind, you know, like get, get the bad programming out of there. And stop asking women to do the work for it to be, meaningful like alex like you were talking about just being overlooked as a booker as a woman uh what is it is it the same kind of shit being women in a band i don't not in this band we played one show like 
three days before quarantine happened. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was March yeah. 6th, 2020. Yeah. My, my first bands in high school and the first band I was in in Portland when I moved here were all girls my entire life. And this is a conscious effort between me and Shauna to have an all-femme band. And that's just a smaller step towards inclusivity like instead of being like let me play guitar in your band let me play bass in your band and they're like nah i mean i like my first band uh, like i started in chicago and i fucking knew fucking nothing about music and there was this woman named lucy and like started an all them band and like my chance question like do i think it's like a problem with female bands like I have like toured and been the only female band in an all male band and had this band was like known and they were known to have male bass players. And multiple times when I was in Europe had fucking men say to me, are you fucking the drummer? And it's like, why? Cause we can both have shitty mullets and like, <laughs> like, no dude. Like, and it got to the point where like my drummer, he was exhausted of it and had to be like, no, she's not having sex with any of us. Like, like and it is exhausting, you know, like when I mentioned before, like, you know, old friends, like just having that kind of like that gatekeeping mentality. I'm like, oh, it's so interesting how far you come. Or, you know, it's just like, I don't know. Or like sound checking with yeah. bands that females are in. The instant irritation of the sound person or the light person yes. when they ask a simple yeah. thing versus like, this guy can go over there and fuck with his pedals and make the show late forever. Yeah. <laughs> you to like turn up something, you are just immediately angry. Yeah. That is something I've witnessed a lot with other female musicians, more outside of punk venues, like bigger stages, but it's so obvious. I don't get it. And then that affects their attitude. Yeah. It hurts those people. Yeah, it yeah. makes you feel bad, and then you don't. Yeah, want and them. then you have to play a show afterwards, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I gotta get this fucking. Yeah, but you can yeah. go like, <laughs> like forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're a dude, you can talk tech, talk tech with the sound guy. But if you're a chick, they're like, you're in the way. What are you doing? Hurry right. up! Don't ask. Yeah. For me to change the color of the lights. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually uh, talking about I'm talking Mississippi Studios. Oh, I got a really awesome woman sound person at Mississippi Studios. I would love to have her next time. She was <laughs> I think that it's because so many of us who aren't like cis white men are having these experience that it makes the bonds amongst people outside of that even stronger. Because it's yeah. like you could sit around you know, like at a fest and there's always going to be like, yeah, a group of women or like trans women or non-binary people having a conversation about these similar experiences. And I think it like pushes people to like connect with each other more and to lift each other up and to, it's really validating, you know, because like you could go crazy, especially if you're the only woman in a band with all guys thinking like, well, is it me? You know, like you were saying, like, I guess I'm just going to rush through this sound check because I just want to get it over because I don't want to be, you know, like put on the spot, you know? And so having like a group of people be able to come together. And that is one reason that I really like traveling and touring and, like playing fast is because you always have those like really sweet moments amongst other people where you can just like 
let your hair down and kind of, you know, like share out like vetted resources and look out for each other. And that's something that I hope like in the future, people remember about the punk scene is that like women really do go to bat for each other and look out for each other. And if there's a problematic man who's trying to like slide, you know, into something with another person, you know, like someone else who has experienced it is going to tell someone about it. And while there may not always be like dudes that are willing to like involve themselves or to participate in that accountability process, like it's really amazing to know that like you can depend on other people who are having similar experiences to like give it to you straight and like tell you like what venues to avoid or what sound person to ask for. Other enemy. (laughs) They will still go to bat for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one thing that it's like great to be able to book shows to give people like an opportunity that maybe, you know, someone else wouldn't or create something cool, like in a scene or in a city that wouldn't otherwise be available. And I do feel like now and in the future, like women will kind of continue to run shit and make shit happen partially because dudes are lazy and age the fuck out. But yeah, there's like yeah, that camaraderie. No and- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very cool to like have those bonds amongst people and like, yeah, no, you can, you can just something as simple as being able to stay at a person's house and know that no one wasted is going to like try to crawl into yeah. bed with you. Like, yeah. really, yeah. really. Yeah. That's honest, I mean, that's yeah. honestly real. And, you know, I mean, just the fact, like, especially when I was touring one band, met all men, like my, the way I was treated, you know, you, like I, I felt fetishized and it's like, what fucking year is this? Yeah. Like, I, you know, I'm still just like, this tokenized sexual object, you know? And and then if you, I've been there before too. And then if you want to have an honest flirt with somebody, it's looked at as like, Oh yeah. yeah. Insanity. Yeah. yeah it's, it's definitely bizarre to think about like, cause like part of the reason that you want to be in like a cool rock and roll band is to meet like possible romantic partners. Right. Or like, like that's part of the motivation. That's like something that men in bands sing about all the time huge like bedrock of the genre is that like you're doing this in order to get laid and then it's really wild when like women music fans will be like cool like you want to get laid so do i let's make this happen and then it's just like oh you're only like wanting to do that because this person's in a band yeah it's a very just, bizarre like, version for <laughs> dichotomy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be a man by being in a band but if you have sexuality that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, and it plays into your like you were saying before, like the boys' club thing, where you kind of have to dance that fine line, and like the real belief that some people think that women are only involved looking for potential like, students. <laughs> it's astonishing, me, you know, yeah. like or just like you know, or sick my- of being Wendy <laughs> and just meet your man. Wendy you know. needs a vacation. <laughs> Wendy wants to start a punk band. <laughs> Were we? Maybe wasn't Wendy one of the potential band names we were thinking about yeah. back in the day? Yeah, we went through a lot of different uh, possible band names before settling on the one we came up with, and I think Wendy was one of them. Yeah. 
Wasn't there a band already called Lenny? I think that's, yeah, I think that's why we didn't do that. I haven't checked out to see if they're cool or not. Shout out JVC, Junior Maker, Cheeseburger. Patty Square Lettuce. Junior Maker, Cheeseburger. You know, fast food chain. Well, what would it take for you to feel true equality in punk? I know it's like nowhere close. I'm just wondering. And I mean, I, I wait, as a concern. Just what would it take to feel kind of like true balance? I mean, I, we're getting there. I, I love playing music. I love the community I'm directly involved in. I, I like respect a lot of all the men around me, you know, and like there's a lot of harping on, you know, I don't want any sound like, you know, I know plenty of men who are amazing. And I think, we're in a community that's, you know, where I'm mentioning, I guess, Noche. I think I'm happy saying, and I'm proud of the community that yeah. I'm surrounded by. Like, I mean, there's constantly room for growth, as you said, but. I think strides are being made. Um, I think it is getting to be a little bit more like automatic to think about just like bell makeup. That's helping. I think it is helping that like there are a lot more women kind of breaking into doing sound. Like I was mentioning the, the sound woman at Mississippi studios. I'm blanking on her name, which I'm very embarrassed about because I've worked with her a couple of times and she's really like excellent attention to detail and really thorough at Mississippi studios. Um, and she, like, she does a program that's like training young people to be sound engineers. And I think that's really cool. So we're, we're definitely going to get a lot more just kind of like people having like a seat at the table that haven't before. And I think that's really good. Um, and I think just like at a point where it feels more casual and it feels less like, like I'm having to kind of like make a point of my gender at a, in a situation. Um, I mean, even just like, you know, the, like this band and the, and the most recent one that I was in are like the first like all, all women bands that I've been in. And just like that feels really relaxing and natural. But like at the same time, it's not that it's like uncomfortable for me to be in bands with men. Um, I don't know. That that was. I don't know if that was really like an answer to the question. Just, I feel like I do feel like progress is being made, and I feel like it can be easy to get really like downhearted about it, just because of sort of like yeah. reflecting on like painful experiences that you've endured always makes you feel a little bit like it's going to be stuck this way forever. We're not gonna. We're not gonna move forward. But like, I feel like I've had, especially in recent years, like more good experiences than bad playing shows and like when i've had a bad experience it's always been super like like playing at this like really giant venue in fresno opening for the album <laughs> obviously i wasn't i didn't have high expectations going in there and so then when like the security guy came up and was like in the process of explaining to me like which areas of backstage i could go to was like oh i got distracted because of how beautiful your eyes are it was just like i didn't expect anything different from that interaction like <laughs> Yeah, you're like, but thank again, you like, for being exactly who I thought yeah. you would be. <laughs> but part of why that's memorable is that was in like 2015, and I haven't had anything as egregious happen to me since. So, like, the intervening years have been way better, and there've been there's just been way more just kind of like automatic, automatic support that's not someone like making a show of being really supportive. Yeah, I this this question kind of challenged me because on the one hand, I feel like it's gonna take. Uh, collectively aspiring to be to to be getting more than the standard. So, like when I think about equality, sometimes it's like not so much focused on equity and people getting what they need in order to be made whole, but rather just trying to 
have like as many opportunities as you know people in dominant culture sort of just to take it out of like the punk lens but to think about just mainstream society in, in general and so i think like equality would be more like collective liberation and there being more of a of an equity model and lifting people up where they need that rather than just like trying to flatten everything and say like you know when women get booked as much as all male bands then we'll have reached this like i think it's got to be like a continuous ever evolving growth that people are like conscientious of these things and actively trying to you know like kill the cop in their head dismantle their internalized white supremacy like unlearn unconscious bias like all of those things sort of need to be happening and then it'll have this type of like effects that will be better for everyone but i just don't feel super satisfied with just like you know like you know this comes up a lot with the conversation about like um the wage the wage gap you know and it's like well shit everybody should be making more money i'm gonna be bummed if i just make as much this dude who's also groveling you know so I really want to think about that question kind of like as big and expansive as possible and like pushing beyond even the limitations of what my answer to it is now and hope that like in another six months, I'm like thinking about some other way that like equity could be reached. That's even more dynamic and innovative and uh, just pu pushing, pushing the boundaries constantly. Communism in our time. That's, that's what we need. And more autonomous <laughs> aid more people getting like really uncomfortable giving large shares of their wealth to people that haven't had the opportunities to it to do it send jeff bezos into space and make him stay there <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you answered that quite like the equality what you did you have answered so many questions just in basically the same way just some people taking a step back letting other people have a chance yeah and I don't know, Mary, not to put you on the spot, there we go. Um, but I just kind of wanted to also, you know, like you're gay, I'm queer. I feel like there is a lens that isn't often talked about when it comes to being in punk and didn't know if you wanted to just you know, maybe how your experiences have been different. I mean, I feel like being gay in all the bands I've been in, it's just been very like, welcoming and like it's just been fine like every band that i played in has been like really open and accepting that's awesome yeah 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 how about the crowds the crowds um i don't know they never say best drummer they say best female drummer <laughs> Hard for a girl. Yeah, yeah. Like you hit so hard for girls. Like who cares? Like, <laughs> but our actual like friends and shit are like Mary's sick as fuck at drums. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they're never like, like, yeah. yeah, it's cool. I never felt like unaccepted or weird because I'm gay, being in band or whatever. <laughs> what about you, Laura? I mean, I think being femme and having straight passing privilege, there's definitely been some uncomfortable interactions that I've had with dudes where you know they'll say things like. um oh like you know you'd probably be into me if you weren't into girls and then i'm like well why do i have to have a conversation with you about my sexuality you know yeah. so it's like um yeah being femme more assumptions get made and then when you express not being interested in someone they like immediately want to saddle it on your sexuality or yeah. 
Um, yeah, so that has been truly bizarre. And I've also had dudes that like, you know, will be hyped on my band or want to play a show together. And then when they find out that there isn't like a possibility of there being something oh, that they'll get, yeah. Better, that they're like, oh, actually, like, so, like my buddy's got this other yeah. thing, you know? So I find that it's like, I think that this is probably something that happens to a lot of femme women. Like you end up having to come out more than you would, more often than maybe you would in the circumstances that you would because people are asking questions or making assumptions or I feel like like you it's that yeah. part that you're like yeah. made to have where you are as a yeah. female more so like how am I going to juggle my band doing this tour with expectations from the book yeah and like people being like oh like my buddy said that like you're into chicks like what kind of chicks are you into and just that like, fetishization and sexualization and like dude my man you would not be asking <laughs> other people about yeah. that like yeah. why <laughs> do you feel like you have access to me because you know like you watch porn with lesbians or something like that and like it really comes from that just like not being conscientious not really taking the time to <laughs> that but that has been like truly bizarre um to just experience and be like why are we even talking about yeah this? why do yeah, i yeah. My, my biggest thing is like dude i just want to play fucking punk and rock and roll like i love to play music so like why is it that like me and who, why the fuck are you concerned with who I'm fucking anyways? Who mm, fucking cares? Like, I don't know. It's, just it's not going to be you. you know? That's all you need to know. No. I'm not obligated. <laughs> I'll let you know if I want to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the position of power here. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. It's super weird sometimes. I mean, it's not always. But when it happens, you're just like, wow. Cringy. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. like, people yeah. you've like, known for years will like... See your band after a couple of years and like send you a message being like, uh, thirsty as hell. And I'm like, you've never had that relationship. Yeah. I didn't play that show to like turn you off. I like, think about in horrible injustices. <laughs> yeah. You just look so hot. <laughs> Singing about injustice. I changed my my shorts just now. <laughs> so where can people contact you and get your records and stuff? We haven't had a record come out yet. It's going to come out on Blackwater Records. Um, we have a band camp that we'll be uploading some more songs to soon. We have t-shirts in the works. But Dials Band PDX, I think, is our handle on all platforms. So Bandcamp, that's also, I think, our Gmail address. And uh, we are on Instagram with a little bit of live footage, but that's, uh, again, from like the, the long show that we were able to play. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I bet that show was good. It was yeah, great. It was really awesome. Yeah, it was a really fun show. I like everybody left after we played Yeah. Well tell us about the last song. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Shauna came up with the riff while we were on a vacation on mushrooms in the desert. On mushrooms in the desert. True story. Uh I I we were in California. Oregon Desert. 
at no, we were in Joshua Tree. Outside of oh, okay. Smuggled mushrooms and capsules on the plane, and like there's like coffee in it, and they tasted like coffee. You ground them up in your coffee grinder. Yeah, I covered in the egg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were encountered by aliens, and we like ended up having this long jam session. And like when we came back with a rip, I was like, this is pretty wild, man. Like, I don't know if this makes sense. It was the next step for like that other style sound. Like, yeah. I think it works for us. It's like kind of on maybe the weirder like wire. Yeah. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. kind of one five four, like not like and then when we were thinking about band names, Alex's mom pointed out the town of Saudi Daisy and we immediately were <laughs> like, we got to use this for something. Yeah. <laughs> Just this image of this like sopping wet flower. It's like so Saudi good. Yeah. Yeah. What happens yeah. to it? It's yeah. not an adjective that's used enough. Yeah. 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 Saudi. And then I went on a camping trip last year and found some really amazing rocks in the Deschutes River that just sound so nice when they're like gently grazed next to each other. And so I approached all of them and was like, I'd like to go multi-instrumentalist on this and incorporate some bells and these rocks that I feel really um, inspired by. So you will hear all of that on Saudi Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> the bells came from... Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful texture. Nice yeah. And uh, yeah, shout out again to Evan nice for, for figuring out how to appropriately rocks. mic the rocks. I mean, he records, <laughs> yeah. I don't put in ton of it. I mean, he records a lot of rock, but yeah. I don't think he's ever rocked. It's hard. Uh, uh, the bells come from the remaining cool art bookstore in the Alberta Arts District monograph complex, by the way. Yeah. I want to give them a little bit of love. So if you like Mushroom Rock, this song's really going to be cool. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it now. I hope you like it.